Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Squared Circle podcast. Uh, sorry if we suck. We're nervous. It's echoey in here, and I keep giggling. Um, I'm Christina. And I'm Alex. And we are here to talk all things wrestling, specifically WWE. Mm-hmm. Now, today we're going to go over a couple of topics. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, a recap of this past weekend where the WWE presented uh, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn from uh, Brooklyn, New York, SummerSlam pay-per-view on Sunday night, and then on same in the same arena on Monday, they had Monday Night Raw. Okay, so let's start with NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Um, The show was excellent as it has been um, for every NXT TakeOver. Uh, Honestly, if you're not watching uh, NXT, you need to start watching it immediately. Uh, This is where all of the the main action and, and wrestling is really coming from. Okay, so at the NXT TakeOver special, they've had two main events, uh, as told by Stephanie McMahon. So the first main event was Bailey challenging Sasha Banks for the NXT Women's Championship. So what did you think about that match? That was actually the highlight of the entire weekend, in my opinion. Um, the ladies in that division really changed the game. Um, the match was solid from beginning to end. There was a lot of emotion. The crowd backed it up. Um, and let me just, I'm going to talk about it again later, but Sasha Banks's entrance was WrestleMania worthy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was a great match. And, uh, the crowd was just going absolutely wild for the entire time. Um, they had all the hardcore fans over there in Brooklyn and they really gave the ladies the respect they need for that match, which was great. It's going to go down in history, I think, as one of the great all-time women's matches. And it's funny because every time we watch one of the ladies' matches on NXT, we think, okay, there's no way they're going to top that one um, because the last NXT TakeOver match between Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch was absolutely incredible, one of the best matches of the year by far, in my opinion. And uh, and Bailey and Sasha Banks topped it, and I didn't think that was even possible. So challenges up ahead for the rest of the ladies. Yeah, for sure. And now that uh, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Becky Lynch are on the main roster, and Bailey's still down there in NXT. Uh, she's going to have a lot of new fresh challengers. I'm thinking Eva Marie and Emma will be probably in the next running for the title. So we'll see how they can keep up with the string of excellent matches they've been having at these takeover events. Now, uh, the next main event they had was Kevin Owens and Finn Bauer in a ladder match for the NXT Championship. And what are your thoughts on that, Christina? Well, we opened the show with Kevin Owens' theme song, so um, we're definitely big Kevin Owens fans. Not that we're not Finn Balor fans, we are. Um, But the show, uh, they brought it. It was excellent. Um, They had a great match at the um, East vs. West, or East meets West uh, in Japan, and uh, we didn't know if they were going to be able to top their own match, and they did. They did uh, an incredible job. I think you mean the uh, Beast in the East, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they definitely had a great match, uh, really hard-hitting and had a lot of great spots. Um, But I feel like the women's match was so spectacular that it already had stolen the show before the main event happened. So even though they had a great match, and the crowd was into it, definitely, uh, I feel like, in my opinion almost, that the women's match could have gone on last to keep that huge reaction from the crowd. It could have, and the fact that Stephanie announced it as one of the two main events uh, really just shows the the type of skill set and matches that the ladies are putting on. So I do agree. Like I said earlier, I think that it was the match of the weekend. Um, It stole the show for me uh, for the entire weekend, but uh, great match from Finn Balor and Kevin Owens. 
And uh, actually, uh, in case there's anyone that's listening that didn't watch the NXT special, um, basically, Bailey won the NXT championship from Sasha Banks. Go Bailey! With, with the Bailey to Belly suplex. And uh, Finn Balor retained against Kevin Owens in the ladder match for the NXT championship. Can we just talk about Bailey having to fix her ponytail before the Bailey to Belly? Because that was probably the best move of the night. Well, I mean, that's her signature taunt before she does one of her finishers or signature moves. Um, okay, so that's the NXT TakeOver special. Now let's move on to SummerSlam. What do you, what do you think are the highlights of that pay-per-view? I thought that uh, New Day uh, winning uh, made sense, and the crowd was really behind them. They, they really got pushed uh, in a positive direction by being in Brooklyn. Um, Seth Rollins was incredible um, in his match, and uh, I thought that him and Cena had probably the match of the night, in my opinion. There was a few matches that were pretty close, but I really enjoyed the drama behind uh, Rollins and Cena. Um, Undertaker versus Lesnar, I want to talk about separately. I want to hear what you liked about it first, um, but we're going to bring that one back up because I have some opinions on that. Okay, um, before I talk about the Undertaker match, I want to ask you about the uh, Stardust and King Barrett against Stephen Amell and uh, Neville match. What did you think about uh, Stephen Amell in the ring? I thought he was awesome. I thought for a celebrity appearance, he did a fantastic job. He's in great shape. Obviously, he's a superhero because he's Arrow, um, and he's also Canadian. Woohoo! Um, way to go, Canadians. Um, <laughs> but I thought that that was really, really well done, and um, he posted later on Facebook that you know, it was you know one of the highlights of his life, and even Triple H gave him some kudos on, on how well he did, so I thought that that was excellent. It was a nice storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely athletic, so it was an easy transition for him to, to put on a match. And it was easy for us to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. This was the rematch from the WrestleMania 30 controversy, I guess you could say where Brock Lesnar ended the 21-0 streak at WrestleMania. So, in this match, um, it was hard to think of who would win because both guys are protected. Like, Brock is the beast, and he hasn't lost a match since... Like, he hasn't personally lost a match uh, for, I think they said, over two years. So, it was hard to see whether Undertaker was going to get his victory back or if Brock was going to stay the winner. But... The way they ended the match also had some controversy, just like their last one, which, uh, you know, The Undertaker, it showed that he had tapped, but uh, the cameras didn't show it on purpose to fool the fans, and uh, the referee didn't see it too. So as a result, the match continued after some controversial uh, ring bell, and The Undertaker resorted to his famous, and I guess now infamous, low blow that he uses on Brock and put on the Hell's Gate and Brock passed out. So Undertaker did technically win in the record book, but he had tapped out to Lesnar, which brings up the chance of having another rematch. Now, when are they going to have that rematch, do you think? Uh, They're probably looking at WrestleMania. Everyone uh, that's in the know and kind of follows... Uh, things on the internet, uh, which isn't always necessarily accurate, but usually is, uh, knows that Vince absolutely does not want Taker versus Sting. Uh, so he's pushing Brock Lesnar uh, and Taker for sure for WrestleMania. Um, my whole thought on on the, the whole way that they actually ended and filmed the, the ending of the match is that they should have shown... T- to the camera angle, they should have shown that Taker was tapping. Uh, it didn't make sense. The way that it happened, basically, Robinson is counting, 
Brock's shoulders are pinned. There's a one count and then the bell rings, which made no sense at all. So then you're thinking, oh, maybe Sting, maybe somebody is is ringing the bell to throw everybody off. But it was the the traditional ring bell ringer. Um, and it didn't make sense. No one knew what was going on. And it wasn't until replays where we figured it out. I think that if they had the opportunity to do it again, that they should have shot it at a different angle in order to show that he was tapping, but that the pinning was happening at the same time, just so that it would make more sense. The, the flow of back, back and forth with replays really wasn't that smooth. I don't think it got the point across uh, the way that they wanted it to. Um, obviously, uh, Paul Heyman's reactions to what went down were amazing, as he is absolutely incredible at what he does but at first it didn't make sense and I know that we were watching uh, the pay-per-view and both of us were like what just happened we don't understand what's going on at all until they showed it again so um, that would be the my only real change to how they ended the match um, if they wanted to have the low blow and that's the only way that Taker could beat Lesnar as he's never beaten him um, ever um, then I guess that's the way to do it but I think that they could have hand, they could have done it uh, in a different way. I agree that the uh, the match ending wasn't executed that greatly, but um, I understand why they did it that way. Like they want Undertaker to be the heel in this role, which uh, is kind of strange for the fans because how do you boo the Undertaker when he's one of the biggest legends ever? So it's it's a it's a hard uh, task to try and get the fans to boo him, and I think. Uh, I think they did a good job, actually, because uh, a lot of fans were upset with the ending of this match. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the timing of the next match. Uh, I don't think they'll wait till WrestleMania, and I'm only saying that because I think they should do the match at the Royal Rumble, because I find it hard to believe that they'll have a Royal Rumble event where if the if Brock Lesnar is not facing The Undertaker, why wouldn't why wouldn't he insert himself into the Rumble match? So just try to imagine Brock Lesnar in a Rumble match, and like it just, it's it's too hard to picture because he there was nobody that would be able to eliminate him, uh, like just because they built him up as his beast. So I'm I'm gonna say that they're probably gonna have the match at Royal Rumble and blow off the feud, and hopefully I'll get my dream match of Undertaker and Sting at WrestleMania. Actually, I didn't even think of Royal Rumble. Um, it feels like we just had it, which we did. Um, but on one of the notes that you brought up earlier, it's funny that you're mentioning how Undertaker um, is supposed to be the heel in, in this whole segment, this whole feud, um, because Lesnar is clearly a baby face. The fans love him. Everyone wants to go to Suplex City, or at least watch him go to Suplex City. So there's no... It, it's, it's very easy for him to become the face no matter what. Um, so... It's funny when the, both of them were in the ring that Lesnar did actually get a bigger pop than Undertaker did. Yeah, it definitely was interesting to watch. Now, okay, let's move on to Monday Night Raw, which um, the whole storyline of the show was the big reveal of Seth Rollins' statue for defeating John Cena. But before we talk about the statue, let's talk about the John Cena and John Stewart segment uh, where Stewart came out and he said basically, and I thought this was a good reason, he cost Cena the victory at SummerSlam for the sole reason that he does not want Cena to tie Ric Flair's 16-time world championship record. What do you think about that? 
I actually liked it as well um, because I didn't want Cena to win. As I, I like Cena. Uh, I love Rollins, uh, but I didn't want Cena to win either. I didn't think that he should uh, tie the record. Um, eventually, he's going to. I know that that's going to happen, but I don't think that by winning both belts at the same time that that would have done the uh, the record any justice. So I liked it. I liked that whole segment. I thought that Jon Stewart was incredible every time he's done any kind of in interaction with the WWE superstars um, he's doing a great job so he's got good fan reaction and uh, he works well with all of the superstars so I thought that that was really great all right so now let's move on to the statue reveal at the end of the show now earlier in the show we did see Triple H and Stephanie with the statue visible uh, backstage and they were hiding it from Seth Rollins. So later in the show, the main event, I guess you could say, was the big reveal in, in the front of the live crowd of the statue. And Seth Rollins cut a big promo talking about his legendary status, how he's up there with the ranks of Ultimate Warrior and Andre the Giant, Bruno San Martino, and here's Seth Rollins now. You know, he's uh, going down in history as one of the biggest legends ever uh, due to his victory over John Cena. Now, when the curtain was raised over the statue, however, we saw Sting. Sting was underneath the statue, or I guess underneath the curtain. So uh, coming out of that scene, we had Triple H announce uh, after the show on the WWE Network that at Night of Champions, it will be Sting challenging Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. What do you think about that? Um, I think that that'll be a great match, actually. I think that they're, they'd be very compatible against each other in the ring. Uh, it also kind of ties back to the WrestleMania feud between Triple H and Sting from last year. So it's Sting continuing to fight against the authority. Um, I thought that the whole way that the entire segment was was wonderfully done, actually. Um, Stephanie screaming out never was hilarious. Um, and they played their roles perfectly. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to that match. My only problem with this feud, I guess, is that... Sting lost to Triple H at WrestleMania, which when Triple H sees Sting returning, if I was Triple H, I, I wouldn't even be afraid, I wouldn't be worried, because in my, if I was Triple H, I would be thinking, I've already beaten this guy, I could just have Seth, I'll help Seth, Seth beat him. So I, I, I think they kind of messed up a little bit by having Triple H win at WrestleMania. They should have had Sting coming off a big win, truly looking like a big threat to Seth and the WWE title. So it's interesting, interesting to see what they will be doing at the Night of Champions pay-per-view, whether or not Sting will win the title or not. I personally hope he does because that would be awesome. He would be the first wrestler in the history, actually, to win the WWE, TNA, and WCW, and NWA world titles. So that would be quite an accomplishment. That'd be actually pretty awesome. And I mean, he's getting up there, so I'm sure he'll be retiring soon. That's why he's doing this on a very part-time basis. But um, Triple H probably remembers all those bruises from that match, and that's probably why he was a little upset. That's a good point, I guess. And actually, the WWE announced today that Sting will be on Monday Night Raw, and he'll be opening the show at 8 o'clock. So uh, we'll see what kind of uh, motivations he has to challenge for the title. Okay. Can we please, please, please talk about the opening segment of Raw? Because it was my favorite. Actually, I thought that this Raw was very well done. Um, sometimes Raw can be a little boring. Um, but this one was extremely entertaining. I laughed a lot uh, during this episode. But my favorite part was definitely uh, Heyman and Lesnar uh, 
in the opening moments, and then a surprise appearance, actually, uh, by Bo Dallas, which probably wasn't the best idea um, for Bo Dallas's sake, but uh, it was highly entertaining. Um, and let's just say that Bo Dallas got uh, to go visit Suplex City, uh, one-way ticket, actually. Yeah, and now they also announced that at the live event Madison Square Garden show on the WWE Network, Brock Lesnar will be facing Bo Dallas one-on-one. So that'll be highly entertaining, I'm sure, to see uh, Bo Dallas uh, sent to Suplex City. So a couple other things that happened on Raw, just little minor things. Um, We saw a new member to the Wyatt family, Braun Strowman. So that's uh, cool to see that they have a third person in there. Uh, to t- have the White family go against Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. Uh, Braun Strowman looks like a big, tough dude, so he looks like a perfect fit for the Wyatts. And I'm wondering uh, if Dean, Dean and Roman will also get a third member to join them to help against the fight. I'm wondering if we're going to see a return appearance of the uh, lamb sheep mask, maybe, to fight against his former family in that match. Oh, so you're thinking maybe uh, Eric Rowan? Maybe. I don't know what, I don't remember what his injury was, but I'm sure he's been gone a while, so he might be coming back. And before he left, he was tagging with Ambrose and that group uh, and fighting with the authority and everything. So they they did have a kind of bromance going on as well. Yeah, that might, that might be a, that might be a good way to uh, incorporate him back into the feud. Uh, we also saw the return of the Dudley Boys after 10 years. What do you think about that? Well, um, there was a lot of fangirling going on at, in that return, and uh, they definitely, if they were going to return, returning in Brooklyn made sense. Uh, there were some some massive ECW chants, and uh, everyone got to what's up. And uh, they also got tables, so it was a uh, it was a beautiful return. Um, obviously, Bubba Ray uh, did return at the Royal Rumble, got a huge pop back then as well. Uh, but it was nice to see Devon and the brothers united. All right, so basically that's what happened so far during the week. Uh, Friday Night SmackDown, more of the same. The Dudleys were in action. Uh, Seth, you know, talking about staying and things like that. So nothing too crazy to mention over there. But now we want to ask. I want to ask you, Christina. Um, based on what we just talked about and everything that happened on NXT, SummerSlam, and on Monday Night Raw, who's your pick for Superstar of the Week? Um, I have one and a half picks. Okay. Uh, my Superstar of the Week uh, by far was the boss, uh, Miss Sasha Banks. She was incredible in her match. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, her entrance into uh, TakeOver was incredible. She rolled up in a caddy. Um, and had uh, some bodyguard escorts, and they actually lifted her up into the ring. She didn't lift a finger, um, which is uh, exactly how it should be when you are a boss. Um, And she was incredible. And the uh, post-aftermath of that match and her coming back and hugging uh, Bailey and all the girls and and them doing the four horsewomen, I thought was was really classy of her. Um, So she is definitely my pick of Superstar of the Week. My honorable mention is Bo Dallas. Um, because uh, mm-hmm. to go up against the beast and to poke the bear, uh, so to speak, was um, extremely dangerous, but uh, very entertaining. So uh, I've been thinking about it all week because it was really funny. So he's my honorable mention for Superstar of the Week. All right. And uh, my pick of the week is the ultimate baby face, the ultimate underdog. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Bailey this week. Um, I thought even though Sasha Banks was amazing as always, Bailey did not uh, 
you know, she didn't let herself be outshined by Sasha. She held her own, uh, definitely. And, you know, she had the crowd in the palm of her hand, and they were behind her 100% in that match. So I thought that uh, she delivered a great match. Uh, the crowd was behind her all the way, and she won the NXT Women's Championship. So I'm going to have to say Bailey is my pick of the week. And her selling of uh, that hand injury uh, with her broken wrist uh, or broken hand was incredible as well. So a uh, good pick, actually, for Bailey. Okay, so our next segment is um, something we like to call today in WWE history. Now, I just saw this this morning, and I figured I would be mentioning it because it's going to lead into another topic I want to talk about in a minute. And so today is August 29th. And in August 29th, 2008, we saw the debut on SmackDown of the Bella Twins. Oh, my God. Yep. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> so seven years ago, the Bella Twins made their debut on SmackDown in which Brie Bella was challenging Victoria into a, in a match. Now, the ending, I watched this match earlier today, and the ending of the match was the first time we ever seen Twin Magic. Now, the announcers uh, did not even notice it. Um, and at, at this point in their careers, Nikki and Brie were almost identical. Like, it was impossible to tell them apart. And over the years, they've started to have their own uh, appearance changes and things like that. So it's easier now. But uh, at the time, it was very, very difficult. So the announcers had no idea that it even happened. Basically, Brie crawled underneath the ring uh, as Victoria was trying to pull her back. And Victoria ended up pulling Nikki, who then rolled up Victoria and beat her in the middle of the ring. Booyah! So there we go. So... That was the debut of the Bella Twins. Now, speaking of the Bella Twins, I wanted to ask you, Christina, about your thoughts on this current hashtag Divas Revolution that's going on on the main roster these days. I think that, uh, well, actually, um, to give some some insight on this uh, for anyone that doesn't know, this started actually based on a tweet from AJ Lee. Uh, who tweeted out to Stephanie McMahon, I believe, uh, in regards to giving Divas a chance. So that really kind of pushed that forward. It was retweeted millions of times. It was, you know, number one trend in the world for, I think, like a week or something, um, where the ladies were really only getting maybe, maybe five minutes of TV time on Raw, um, their matches were getting cut out of pay-per-views, uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, we're running out of time. It's WrestleMania. Sorry, ladies, you're not getting a WrestleMania moment um, because we need to give this hour-long match another 15 minutes. So, um, so that really kind of put it to the forefront. It kind of restarted um, with this feud between the Bellas and Paige. And I think it also was fueled by just how incredible the NXT ladies were doing. Um, their matches were getting tons of airtime. Triple H really likes to focus on the on the the females in NXT. So um, it kind of put the other girls on notice. Like you know, these girls are getting all this time. Why aren't we? We need to kind of push forward on this. And and you know, I think that what it's done is it's really. Um, up to the game of everyone that's been uh, wrestling in this feud right now. So if you're watching matches between, uh, you know, the Bellas and Team Bad and PCB, and you're looking at the individual wrestlers within each of these teams, they've really upped their game. Um, they can't, you know, show up based on their laurels anymore. Um, you know, oh, I'm, you know, Naomi, and I, you know, my move is to hit you with my butt, but... 
that's all that matters because it's funny and then I'm going to go backstage and not be seen for three weeks. Um, they're, they're actually wrestling. They're, they're really being pushed to their limits and it, it really is because of the talent of the NXT ladies that have bumped up. So I'm enjoying it. I think that, uh, you know, eventually, obviously, the, the teams are going to break up. They're going to start feuding because uh, we would like to see some championship matches uh, for the Divas title. But uh, so far, so good. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. Okay. Um, well, that's your interesting point of view. Now, here's mine. <laughs> um, I thought that this weekend we saw a major, major noticeable difference between the way the ladies are booked in NXT and the, la- the way the ladies are booked on the main roster. Can I just say something about that? Yeah. That is basically because Vince is still running Raw and SummerSlam and the main roster, whereas Triple H has control of NXT, that's his baby, and that shows the the difference in, in power and in their their vision and direction. So um, it's it's very noticeable, I agree with you, um, but we have to take note of who's who's kind of the one that gets the final say in, in terms of, of that as well. So when Bailey is challenging Sasha Banks for the NXT Women's Championship, this isn't just a feud that just pops up out of nowhere. Like this is an ongoing, like two year long feud that finally led up to this great moment of Bailey conquering, I guess, taking the line out of Paul Heyman, uh, Sasha Banks, her ultimate rival. Um, and the storyline makes sense. You have these four women that are all wrestling in NXT together, and they're all getting their opportunities, and Bailey's the one falling behind. They all get up, you know, brought up to the main roster. Bailey's still down there. You know, she had her little injury, but even when she was not fighting for the title, she's having matches with Emma to try and prove why she deserves a championship match. She defeats Emma. She defeats Charlotte, her rival. She defeats Becky Lynch, and ultimately Sasha Banks. So you see a progression in the storyline. It actually makes sense. And that's why you see the fans really, truly behind Bailey when she's having this championship match. Now, on the main roster, what we're used to are uh, battle royals with 20 women uh, that have no feud at all with anybody. And whoever happens to get lucky that week is getting a championship match that honestly means nothing. There's no storylines at all. The, the Divas Championship is meaningless at this point. Like, I, I, I don't know what, what they're thinking over there. And they have all these teams, PCB and uh, Team Bad and the Bellas, uh, who are all fighting each other in these six-woman tag, nine-woman tag, you know, two-on-two, one-on-one, all these matches where the victories are flip-flopped week to week. You know, one week the Bellas will lose, the next week they win. Like, there's no storyline here at all. There's Nobody's getting ahead of themselves, and nobody's fighting for the title. Nobody's saying, I want the title. Why would you be wrestling in a company with no intention of winning the title? Uh, you know, it's not all about teamwork. So, um, and I was reading earlier that when they had the Miz TV segment on Raw with PCB, apparently they were supposed to show some sort of, you know, intention of, uh, from one of the divas, I'm not sure exactly which one, that they want to fight for the title, but nothing came across on TV at all, and that was a terrible segment, and it led to a terrible match, because um, even though they get, you know, 15 minutes and 10 minutes each week now, 
unless there's something on, on at stake here, something on the line, the fans aren't going to buy into it. Like they, they need investment into these matches, not just length. It's just a, it becomes an extended bathroom break for these fans because they have no reason to watch because they know that even though Paige will win this week on SmackDown, she'll lose. So what difference does it make? It was interesting to note that uh, after that match, because there was there was a pretty negative crowd reaction, actually. At first, they were into it. They were cheering them on, um, as they have been. But they really wanted to see Sasha Banks. They were cheering and chanting her name well before the match started. They started to uh, chant uh, for her when the Bellas came out and interrupted the Miz TV segment. And they didn't get it. And they weren't happy with that. And they, they kind of took it out on the girls and kind of took it out on everybody and started chanting the JBL chants and the wave, which was extremely distracting to watch while you're watching the match on TV. Um, and the girls took to uh, the internet and Instagram uh, mostly is where I saw all these posts, but they were really upset and kind of called out the fans of Brooklyn for their behavior. But I agree with you. They don't care. They wouldn't. They wouldn't pull, you know, the wave and JBL chants during a John Cena match or during an Undertaker Brock Lesnar match, um, because they they're invested. They they have some sort of emotional connection, whether they hate Cena, whether they, you know, are wanting to see Suplex City, whatever's whatever's going on. They're invested. Whereas they're not really invested with the girls right now. Um, so they need to change it up. Um, at first doing the, you know, the, the tag team matches and these, you know, feuds with all of the girls made sense, but it's time to move on. It's time to set up, uh, for night of champions. And interestingly, since night of champions is the night before Nikki Bella will, um, tie or beat AJ Lee's record for holding the divas championship for over 300 days. Uh, we need to see, you know, some, some motivation behind these girls in order to to really challenge her and push her for uh, for that title. I agree. Like Nikki comes out every week, and she proclaims that no matter whether she wins or loses, it doesn't matter because she has the Divas Championship. But nobody's challenging for it, so she's just laughing. Like she's just you know sailboating her way to the record, uh, where I feel like these Divas should really be more than ever gunning for that title now that Nikki's record is at stake. And Nikki should be scared instead of just like, you know, haha, it doesn't matter. Even though you won at SummerSlam, uh, I still have the Divas title, so who cares? And that's that's the wrong mentality to have in this feud. I also wish, I mean, we're huge Tyson Kids as our fans, so obviously we know that Tyson was injured. Um, but I wish Natalia was in this mix because she's by far uh, heads and tails uh, a better wrestler than all of the other girls. And she brings out... Um, talent in them that that the others can't really do because they're not quite there yet uh so you know we i kind of wish that she was involved in this mix in order to really you know put it across that you know she's not the only one with talent and the other girls um should be fighting for the championship because they 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 do have what it takes in order to become a champion you know i i I agree with you but i feel like the only way that natalia could get involved is if the teams were all broken up uh, the way they have these teams now, I feel like, oh, if Natalia got involved, we'd need two more divas to team up with her, and then we'd have 12 women matches instead of nine, and it's going to be the same problem over and over again. Well, um, we could always put in Lana and Summer Rae, because we know how much Natalia loves Summer Rae based on Total Divas, so that uh, that probably wouldn't last very long. It's funny that you mention that, because on Raw, when they had a tag team match, and Summer Rae and, and uh, Lana 
started having a little cat fight. That got one of the loudest reactions of the night, and that's just like a little side storyline, and they're getting way above and beyond the reactions that the other divas are getting because at least there's a storyline going here. Uh, there's meaning behind this feud with Ziggler and Rusev and the two ladies. So that's why you see the crowd going crazy every time these girls fight each other. And it's happened the same. You know, Lana slaps Summer this week and Summer slaps Lana that week. And every week it gets a huge reaction. On, on the other side with the Divas Revolution, we get victories flopping back and forth, no progression, and I don't like it. I agree. Sorry, I was just trying to think. I was I had two thoughts at the same time. Um, I agree. Uh, huge Lana fan. Think she's incredible. Think she's doing a, a really good uh, job at at playing this role, considering she's not a wrestler. Are they going to do the mixed tag team match? Do you think? Absolutely, and I think that that's when we're going to see the Lana heel turn. I really think mm. that she's going to she's going to turn on Ziggler and uh, and go back together with Rusev. But time will tell. But mark this date, August 29th. I called it. All right. Okay, so that's our little uh, topic of discussion for the week. And now, my favorite segment of our show um, is actually, once I, I announce it, it'll make sense, but uh, for anyone that doesn't know, probably the biggest CM Punk fan um, on the planet. Uh, absolutely love that man. Regardless of whether he's in the WWE or not, uh, I did listen to his podcast uh, with Cole Cabana, by the way, so yes, I'm aware. Um, let's listen to his song for a second, just for fun. I love that song. Um, so basically, this is the CM Punk appreciation segment, which is how we will close off our show every uh, time we uh, we tape it. So um, I would like to uh, highlight uh, CM Punk versus Chris Jericho Payback 2013. Um, for anyone that isn't aware, there was a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes real-life stuff going on um, in terms of his contract. Uh, Payback was in Chicago, which is where Punk is from. Uh, For anyone that knows who he is, you would know that. Um, So obviously he's got huge backing from the hometown crowd, and uh, the reaction of him coming out to the ring was incredible and probably one of the loudest pops he's ever received in his career, I would think. Yeah, it was uh, it was really fun to watch him uh, make his way out to the ring because uh, uh, he had recently been injured uh, and the WWE wanted him to come back early from injury to have this match in Chicago with Chris Jericho. So when they had announced it on television, there was that uh, you know discussion behind the scenes of whether or not uh, Punk would actually be there. Uh, so fans were really uh, interested to see uh, whether he would show up at the Payback pay-per-view. And uh, after some delay in his uh, in letting his music play, he finally walked out with Paul Heyman, uh, got a great match out of uh, Jericho, and uh, had a nice victory. So it was definitely something to remember. And Punk, I appreciate you. All right then. So um, thanks to Darren for being our producer. Uh, for our first episode and hopefully it uh, came across the way we wanted it to and we will be back for more episodes so um, thanks for listening everybody I'm Christina and I'm Alex and uh, this was uh, the Squared Circle Podcast thanks
tension now. 